0: Hello and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Dr. Stuart White, founder of Whole Health Associates, which has become one of the largest nutrition practices in the country. Welcome to the show, Doctor White.
1: Thank you, Birger. Good to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that I first came to you way back when. I don't want to say how long ago, but uh... it was
1: was in the 1800s.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And since then, you've continued to succeed, and your practice has expanded. You're you're now in another state as well. You also have a nonprofit called Doctor of the Future. And as you know, this podcast is about leadership. And when I look at your success, I wonder how much of that has to do with your passions. You've watched over 43,000 of your patients go through and heal. You have taught over 18,000 practitioners and your energy level is still of an 18 year old and (laughs) you keep going. So what would you say are some of the reasons you have succeeded as a leader despite all the challenges? Well, I mean, I like
1: the theme of this podcast about sort of showing your strong points and also sort of revealing your underside. Mm -hmm. And I think there's genius in that too, both Your immediate organization that works with you and for you as a way of like expanding the mission of the doctor or the mission of the the executive. And so for me, I've always believed in something called mutual disclosure or mutualism. So when my patients tell me something private about them, like maybe they've got some herpetic infection, I sort of join them and say, Yeah, I've I've had herpes one on my lip as well, and like getting them whenever I get into the crisis situations. And so I work with that as well. I, I really believe it's important to join. Join people in the humanness of our endeavor. Like we're all human and we're all seeking perfection and trying to evolve towards it. So my practice has always been about helping people to take one step, what I call sequentialism, toward the next step, which ultimately leads toward perfection. And my ability to convey that target. For them and to help them believe in that target i think really is one of the keys to my success they watch me going after that target for myself and i join them in the sandbox as they experiment going after the target for themselves
0: and that even expands to your team right because i i've met several of your team members over the years and you can tell by a team's attitude you know, whether they're bought into supporting the doctor or not in the doctor's practice and yet it looks like you have also partnered up with the, some other doctors as you kept expanding your practice.
1: Right. So naturally you draw people that are, have an affinity to your mission. And so at one point in time, Health Associates was a group of nine practitioners that constituted the largest natural healing practice in the United States by business volume. And that is naturally came forward where we practiced together for 26 years, which is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And did and did a pretty significant amount of volume of business, like over six, Sixty-five million dollars of business and we finally parted some of us retired and moved to other states and some of us sort of just sort of stepped back and worked less and then left me you know continuing to work as hard as possible for the next <laughs> you know, 30 years which I really believe and I try to I try to teach people to never retire I think it's absurd to retire I think that you might work less but you might never stop working because from my point of view I just seem to be getting better at what I do the longer I go I'm not getting less effective at it I'm becoming more effective so So why would I, if if I'm really on mission, why would I ever take that away from my patients or the potential patients that might serve? Like that would be up to them. If they don't want to see me because I'm too old and gray, I respect that. But if they want to see me because I have an answer that might help them have a more fulfilling life, then who am I to take that away from them? I think that's just arrogant, to be honest, and selfish. So I I don't believe in retirement. And I believe in sharing that mission amongst the group and the certainty on both with patients and with with staff. As I said, interestingly enough, every single one of my employees over the last 35 years years from 1986 on, they're all patients. they are people that have come to me, caught the idea and engaged in the business with me. And mm. my, my office manager in Houston has worked with me for 35 years. Wow. Yeah. And her, her initial story was amazing and remarkable and inspirational, but beyond the physical, she caught the idea, which is how to lead a meaningful life, how to improve your life with effort over a long period of time and how to like have the mission and the fulfillment of doing that for others. You know, naturally we all give away what works for, Ourselves, we all give something works for me, and you know, I want to give it on I and mean, pay it forward always. Yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like that is the genius of the practice. But going back to what you said, Birger I think the genius is to stop managing people and invite people to be as important as me. So, in my practice, I clearly, and I, I, I don't know how to convey this except to tell you, I am no more important than anybody else in my practice, even the person who just starting. We just started a new a new receptionist in Charlotte today. At a young man who's been my patient for five years, he's getting his master's in natural healing science. And so he's wanting to work, he'll work for the next two years while he's acquiring his master's. So that's great for us. And he wants to be in the business. So he started as our front office staff. But I mean, the point is, is that, is that he's another patient who's become a staff member who's expanding. And this idea of sharing your own path of reality with other people is inspiring. Now I want to contrast that to a mistake that I've made in the past. And sometimes I might still make mistake, whether mistake because, might be drawn into some level of egotistical aggrandizement. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if I stop showing them my process, my vulnerability, my risks, my fears, my hopes, my frustrations, my core beliefs that are not entirely pure, then I start creating a gradient of difference between me and my staff, between me and my patient, and as a result, they actually feel estranged from me, not connected, because I'm nothing familiar to them.
0: And how did and- you first discover that?
1: Well, oh, I just felt it was always honest to like tell you and tell the people that I was I was in- insecure and that I was like just like everybody else and that I was worried. And I think when I was, you know, I'm trying to talk some of my patients into like trying the natural approach, I was telling them, you know, like I used to be covered with eczema, seriously asthmatic, dyed my mother's arms four times, had my fingernails ripped off surgically by a medical doctor five times because of serious infection from the eczema that would develop under the cuticles. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, people would go like, I think you had a pretty rough childhood. And then they would hear how I turned it around and they would go like, oh, okay, he's been through it. He's he's not like never been sick before. And and so they were able to like, trust me a little bit more. And then that gave me enough time to show them the results. And they began to have their own personal experience and not have to hitchhike on mine. But initially hitchhiking has to be more honest, has to be like, when somebody gets in the car and they, they hear that you're a human and that you're real. And this is how we really create societal connection. And I think actually, in a broader way, this is relevant to more than just a health practice. It's relevant to America at this time. And forget America, it's relevant to the world. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. how do we gain connection with the 7 billion people that are around us by being real? Because they're real. And I think reality connects us, and I think pretentiousness disconnects us.
0: And I wonder if your earlier struggles then had you be aware of this, because really, to me, you sound like the perfect leader. (laughs) You know, you have a clear vision. I mean, people get attracted to your vision. You've got huge retention. Did you ever have a mentor or did you just, I mean, it sounds like you were just very aware.
1: Very, very good point. Very good. I think what happened is I was very aware of how big the project was that I was taking on, how ambitious the destination was was to like, not just have people's symptoms go away, like make their hemorrhoids better, but actually cause them to go through mental, emotional, spiritual, and social changes while changing the physical chemistry and the physiology. Mm -hmm. And so that became like a really big effort on my part, but I realized there was going to be challenges, detoxifications, tissue memories that were going to come up. We're going to have to clear through and forgive things from the past. They're going to have to deal with tissue somatization of memory. I mean, there's all sorts of challenges. And then I realized how complex that was. And I realized how dishonest it was for me to pretend that I had never faced those demons myself and had not have any victory. And so I realized that one of the important honest, accountable, integritous actions on my part was to display my own process to myself and then appropriately. So to patients and to staff and stuff like that. And then the gradient goes away. There's no gradient, not better, not worse, not more enlightened, not less enlightened, just connected. And we're all striving in the same direction and we're all participating. And again, out of that comes great respect for other people's viewpoints that are different from your own viewpoints.
0: And if I recall correctly, you also allowed your staff to tell you when they saw that you were veering or getting into the ego side of things. Was there a moment where you you were recall going, "Oh, I'm not. How did you put it? Being mutual, or I'm not sharing my my story about how I struggled."
1: No, that never happened. No, I'm just joking. No, 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 (laughs) that 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 happened pretty much daily.
0: One of the so you make it safe for people to tell you
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I want to I want to tell you something, Barry. These are these are I'm so grateful to have this chance to talk about these things because I feel these things are the most important thing I've ever accomplished. Even though oftentimes when I'm teaching to 18,000 doctors, I'm not teaching any of this stuff because that's not the topic. The topic is like working with some sort of microbiome consideration. But in the meantime, what I want to say about what you just said is that one of the most important things I believe is that we should never go home from a job with anything from the day incomplete. So the day that I'm up late at night processing some incomplete energy with another staff member or with a patient or something that is the day that my job truly starts to wear and tear on me. So my responsibility with my staff with myself, with my patients, is to complete the challenges that arise between egos, the challenges that arise between humans, in the same day. In other words, to care for them, put them to bed, govern with them, even if it requires scheduling to another day, a chance to talk about. It. And I propose that to my staff that they should never go home with anything unfinished. And if they do, that they're not being paid enough to handle that material at home. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we live. So as a result, yes, many times my staff comes to me and says, "I don't like what happened. I don't like how you." threw me under the bus in front of a patient. I don't like how you treated me with this. I don't like how you're acting. And I have to hear it. And then I have to find my own integrity. There's no rule on this. My own integrity says you're right or you're partially right or what you're right about is this. This is what I see about myself in light of what you're saying. Or no, you got it wrong. You misunderstood the situation. But that's a real conversation which has a real conclusion and allows everybody to be free because to some degree, the truth has expressed itself. And now we have a foundation to go forward That happens. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens certainly every week, if not once a month, where we have a pretty profound reality. And the strength of my practice is because my staff and me will do that. And to be honest, Birgit, I've always prided myself, which is, I know, not necessarily very evolved, but I have prided myself in my ability to listen to and to get information from other people that is not necessarily my vision. And because I find value in that, I practice that. And I have to tell you, that's, that's really essential to my success on all counts. Yes. You know, as as, as a husband, as a father, as a practitioner, as a, as a manager, as a, an educator, I am extremely permeable to input and I can integrate it and I've practiced at that and it's painful in the beginning but it becomes a wonderful practice I have to say it's a lot less painful than defending yourself and trying to trying to like protect and or defend against the incoming information and if you're going to lead for goodness sake even Moses you know he's out in the wilds and there's a great book about if you can get it on time it's called getting them through the wilderness it's about Moses and what he did but one of the things he did as soon as he went out there is he set up a series of, of camps around him where individuals individual leaders or subleaders would gather the information from the larger population and bring the issues and the comments to Moses so that he was getting feedback and Nanas, mm-hmm. how can you lead without your partner <laughs> like, how can, you, how can you dance with nobody? Like, I mean, like yeah. you you, you want to have some sort of a partner to be able to lead. And so if we're going to be going to be trustworthy leaders, we have to really become trustworthy leaders. We have to, like, listen to what people have to teach us, integrate it. And I think our staff comes to trust that and they go, wow, I've never been treated this way before. They, I, to be honest, yeah, I think the staff and the patients weep when you actually honor them by listening
0: to what they have to say. I agree. And I've, I've witnessed that with you. So I yeah. uh, thank you for, for being open about that. And I think you have pre-answered my last question before we start to wrap up the show. And that is, what tip or two do you have for leaders regarding making it through crisis?
1: Well, my, my biggest advice here at 65 years old is the power of your leadership is the idea living you, okay? And so- that's Can you say power, that again? The power of your leadership is the idea that has chosen you and is living you. Hmm. So the power of the, of the leadership is not you being the reference for other people to be like. That's an illusion. Mm-hmm. The power of your leadership is your idea, and that is not a personal thing when it communicates. So if we can remember that and practice that, we take a step further than the charismatic leadership, which has such limitation to it.
0: And so when people go through a crisis, would you say that that the main thing is to focus on the idea that they stand for?
1: Yeah, I think that every one of us in COVID was given an opportunity to experiment with our idea of how life is. So in, in March of 2020, I was very afraid of COVID. My first case was a family of eight people. Five of them had COVID confirmed and they were all very sick. And they were in Columbia, South Carolina. And I put together a formula based on the research of what's out there, vitamin D3, colostrum. These are proven researches for treating COVID. Quercetin, zinc, and a couple of other nutrients that upregulated the immune system. I sent it down to them. The father came up two hours to Charlotte, picked it up back. That was at four four o'clock that day. And so they immediately started taking that. And by the next morning, there was like, there were 80% resolved the morning after that, they were almost done. And the morning after that, they were fixed. And that's when I got my feet under me. So by April of 2020, I realized this disease might not be as severe as we've been sort of hypnotized to think. And then subsequent to that, I just kept facing my own demon personally when I would get exposed and facing the demons of other people and pulling, you know, five different terminal cases out of the hospital and out of being sent home to die. And they all got resolved in two to eight days. And as a result, I realized this disease is only an unspeakable supported tragedy but with support humans as usual can achieve much more than they're used to achieving so so it's the same story i had to use my idea as my guidance in the situation so mm.
0: yeah and and your idea apparently also allows you to make decisions i know that you were invited to appear on the Oprah show and you declined because it didn't fit with your passion of helping one patient at a time, as opposed to trying to get on a show and talk to millions. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Like I was invited... Back in the 90s to be on Oprah, and I almost went and I decided at the end that it wasn't, wasn't part of my mission. I'd had a really profound lesson that I needed to be in the room with the people, doing one person at a time. And I was being sort of slightly distracted into like sort of being a public educator on Oprah. And I, I I declined. I it turned out I was right to decline. From my point of view, the producer got very angry with me and I realized that it would have been a mistake energetically. And you know, as I told him, I said, 99% of the people will like me, and 1% of the people they're expressed. Purpose will be to, to prove me that I'm wrong. And that will, I will fall, fall over quite easily instead of standing up for the many people that I care about.
0: Well, I certainly appreciate the path you've chosen and appreciate you being on the show. And if people want to know more about you, I know they can find you via Whole Health Associates and I'll put it in the link in the description. You also have a website called Doctor of the Future and-
1: Doctorofthefuture.org, right?
0: Yeah. And you continue to have Mentoring the Mentors sessions. And I know how much you've done for a lot of your patients. So thanks again for being on the show.
1: Oh, I love it, Birgit. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to continuing our work together.